The views and opinions of the guests of the MeUS podcast do not represent the views and opinions of Consumers Energy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to MeUS, a well-being podcast. It's another Well-Being Wednesday here at Consumers Energy, and I'm your host, Bill Krieger. We have some exciting news, uh, as was announced a few weeks ago. Uh, Consumers Energy is offering domestic partner benefits to all of its employees, and I have two very special guests on the podcast today. I have Laura Christopher, who is the Executive Director of Employee Benefits. I also have Trish Eddy, and she's no stranger to the podcast, who is a Principal Rate Analyst here at Consumers Energy. So I'll start with you, Laura, if you could introduce yourself. Sure. I'm Laura Christopher. I am the Executive Director of Employee Benefits. I'm responsible for making sure that our active and retiree population have the benefits they need um, throughout their course of employment. Thank you for that. And Trish, uh, if you'll introduce yourself, we'll go ahead and get the conversation started. Yeah, hi, I'm Trish Reddy. I am a principal rate analyst, like Bill said, uh, during the day, and then I'm also a co-chair of PACE. So I work a lot with our LGBTQ plus community and making sure that our benefits and other things that we offer at the company are equal. All right. Thanks, Trish. And for the audience who may not know what PACE is, it's the Pride Alliance of Consumers Energy. Um, it is uh, for our LGBTQ folks, but also for allies and those that support uh, the efforts uh, of our LGBTQ community. So, uh, Trish, thanks for that introduction. So we're going to start out with Laura. Um, we're going to talk about domestic partner benefits and what does that mean? Domestic partner benefits um, will allow our coworkers to have the ability to add their eligible partner and their partner's dependents on our healthcare plans and our life insurance plans, ensuring that all coworkers are feeling supported um, by the company from uh, that standpoint. Uh, do you want to know what a domestic partner definition is in terms of our healthcare plans? Would that be helpful? I think that would be great, Laura. So, yeah, exactly. So what, what is considered a domestic partner and, and how do we determine that? So a domestic partner is an individual who meets all the following criteria. They have an interpersonal relationship between two individuals, regardless of the gender, for more than six months. Share a common domestic life, such as a household, but are not married to each other and are jointly responsible for each other's common welfare, financial support, and expenses. The next question I think kind of comes along, um, how do we, you know, how do we, I don't know if prove it is the right word, but, but how do we show that we have a domestic partner and that it, it truly meets that, that criteria? Like all of our benefits, Bill, we make sure that we have eligible participants on our plan. And so as part of any dependent that is added onto our healthcare plan, we do go through a dependent audit process. So we do verify those dependents. So an eligible partner would go through our dependent verification process as well as their eligible uh, dependents' children if interested in being covered under our healthcare plan. So this would also cover dependents uh, as well. So I have a domestic partner that has children that maybe aren't my biological children, it would still cover them. Correct, it could cover them. There are a lot of moving pieces um, when it comes to the wonderful IRS and making sure that we meet all the requirements under section 
uh, 52. And so there are some taxable domestic partner dependent uh, definitions and non-qualified non uh, domestic partner definitions. So we always recommend uh, to consult with your tax advisor in this space as far as eligibility for domestic partner benefits too. And, you know, I do want to say something when it comes to when it comes to the verification. So that may throw some people off, but uh, I will tell you in my own experience, uh, when I did get married uh, later on in life, uh, I filled out all the, the requisite paperwork and everything else. And then um, I did get uh, this message that, hey, we need some proof that you got, you know, that you got married and also proof of your divorce. And so it was a very easy process. It wasn't scary at all. This is really nothing new. It's something that we've done all along. We're just going to apply it to this new benefit. Um, the other question is, uh, you know, you talked about this being for um, all of our coworkers. Uh, so we know that to, to mean exempt employees and OM&C employees, uh, really all of our coworkers. What about retirees? So our retirees are eligible for domestic partner benefits as well. Um, there is definitions around what that domestic partner would be to add. Similar to a spouse, a retiree can only add a spouse or a domestic partner if they're in that committed relationship the day prior to retirement. So we will offer this to retirees going forward, and we will do a retro back as far as eligibility, um, not retro back in coverage, but eligibility to gain access um, if they're able to provide the documentation within the dependent audit. And so just to be clear, uh, if a retiree were to get married post-retirement, that spouse wouldn't have been covered anyway, correct? Correct. Okay, so it's the, basically the same, the same benefit. Absolutely. All right. Well, I appreciate the uh, high level technical. Here's how we do it, Laura. I do want to talk about how we got here, though, because, you know, um, I do a lot of reading and I talk to a lot of people who work for a lot of different companies and uh, many companies still don't offer this, uh, although a lot of them do. So I want to kind of uh, flip over here to Trish and talk a bit about where, where did this start? How did this how did this get from uh, an idea to where it's at today? Yeah, thanks, Bill. Um, I think the biggest thing was that we now realize that domestic partners isn't necessarily just for LGBTQ plus individuals. We had, you know, presented this case a few years ago and it was not really, you know, well received because it was only for a subset of the population and we didn't know if it was, you know, economically worth it. But now people are waiting longer to get married or, you know, never getting married. They don't feel like they need a piece of paper to define their relationship. So it was uh, imperative that we move forward to not only retain our employees, but to make sure we're attracting the best talent. Where did the um, where did the idea originally come from? Was this I, I understand we did kind of this business case, um, you know, a while back. Um, how did that evolve into this discussion around um, domestic partnership rather than just I think we back in the day we called it uh, same sex partner benefits or something along those lines. So what kind of flipped that discussion around? Yeah, I think it, you know, honestly, just had the realization that the dynamics and the definition of family is changing. Um, and I personally, you know, brought in some of my own stories, like, you know, I've been married in the past and I realized that a piece of paper can mean something different to someone, to everybody. So, you know, I, I no longer feel that you need that piece of paper to define a family. Um, I have friends that have been with their domestic partners for 20 plus years and they don't see the need to get married, yet they can't 
carry their person on their insurance um, or their children, which, you know, that's not that goes against our company core values that goes against our safety message. Um, it's just, you know, it's not what Consumers Energy stands for. I'll mention, too, Bill, even for myself, I know Trish shared her story as well. I I lived with my spouse prior to getting married for a good couple years. And um, from a financial well-being perspective, um, it's really important when you start to look at what is eligible for my household, my household income, and how can I take care of that household? Even though, you know, I had the ability to get married, um, it just wasn't the right time. And to have had access to domestic partner benefits, it would have been probably a much better experience versus having to have individual coverage. And and I think that uh, also um, sometimes it may lend itself to people getting married to have those benefits that maybe that isn't really what they wanted to do. So I, I completely understand that. So we we kind of evolved this discussion in this business case. Um, what was that partnership like uh, between uh, PACE, the other ERGs, and then along with benefits? How did that kind of all come together? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I guess I would kind of say that I was the one who said, we got to do this and everybody needs to be involved. Um, and so, you know, my first thing was to get all the other ERGs involved and talk about how this affects people from all walks of life. Um, and then, you know, getting with Laura and her team and seeing where they were at and just kind of explaining the need, doing the benchmarking, doing the research as to why we need this to come to the company. Um, and I think once we had that conversation, it was kind of clear that it was needed, but it was the idea that things aren't the same anymore, you know, from 2015, everything has evolved and not again, just from the LGBTQ community, but millennials and the new generation, they push off getting married until, you know, their thirties and, uh, you know, we don't want our employees to have to sacrifice that. Well, and when you talk about that, I don't want to, I, I don't want to interrupt, but when you talk about that, it's, it uh, reminds me also that um, many times people later in life, uh, maybe they've lost their spouse or their partner, uh, and they uh, they develop these um, relationships that are very deep and very meaningful. Uh, but neither party wants to get married for lots of reasons, um, and it sounds like this is a way to address that as well. Yeah, I would I would also just elaborate to partnering with um, having Trish and the ERG come pace come forward and talk to us within employee benefits, it actually worked out really well. Um, being responsible for employee benefits, I do have accessibility to benchmarking data that is relevant to our industry, which is very important in the utility space um, as we start to transition um, benefits moving forward. I think that was one of the things that was pretty um, exciting for PACE too, to be able to have the data and as well as the cost analysis and projections associated with our active and retiree healthcare. That's kind of the boring stuff that goes behind the scenes on these cases, but it's also the most important piece of it too. Um, when we start to think about making sure that we're taking care of our employees and offering benefits that are affordable to our participants, yet also affordable to the organization as well. So that brings up a point. Uh, many times when we're doing analysis, we really tend to look at the cost of doing X, whatever X is, right? We we seldom 
kind of flip that around and look at what the cost of not doing it is. It sounds like maybe we did some of that here and said, well, it's going to cost this much to do it, but here's the real cost of not doing it. And, and how did that all kind of play out? Trish talked about that. It's really on the attraction, retention um, of our coworkers, the stress, the anxiety, um, the financial hardships that can come from not having adequate healthcare coverage for your family members within your household. Our message is safety, right? As an organization, as a whole. And when you think of safety, you think of the total well-being, right? If we have distractions uh, within our, our mind, and we try to work, you know, and it's stressing us out, we're not able to fully be able to perform our job duties. And so it was really important to make sure that we have benefits that are available to help our coworkers improve their overall well-being for themselves and their dependents. Well, and, you know, I, I think that uh, as a, a coworker here at Consumers Energy, um, I've been here for a few years now, um, and I look at the benefits that we have. And I've never, uh, in my entire adult life, I've never been without benefits. Uh, but uh, I do have a family member who uh, owns his own business and does not have benefits and really had to talk him through uh, some things recently because of the cost of health care. Uh, and it was, you know, it wasn't just that he was physically ill. It was that it was causing him all sorts of other problems, like you said, Laura, Um around how am I going to afford this? What am I going to do now? You know, what if I'm really, really sick and I and I end up in the hospital and I don't have insurance? So I can see where that would alleviate a lot of those, um, those problems. Uh, you know, Trish, the other thing I want to talk about too uh, was when you talk with the other ERGs and you kind of um, transformed this request, it reminds me of uh, kind of the parental leave benefits, right? Where when I think of parental leave from my own personal situation, I think, well, yeah, I'm I'm the dad, and it's great that I can use these benefits if I ever have children again. Um, but when you look at it holistically, we bring all of the ERGs in, we realize that parental leave impacts not just folks who are in what we might call a traditional, you know, family unit. It, it involves all of these changing values and changing um, descriptions of what uh, what a relationship with a family is. And um, so do you do you see that uh, from this perspective as well, that bringing in the other ERGs really helped kind of mold that? Oh, absolutely. I mean, that was one of our biggest pushes to benefits since talking to Laura is that this does not just affect, you know, the LGBTQ community. I think before we were talking, you know, it was, well, now that same-sex marriage is legal in all 50 states, we don't need this benefit. And then it's like, whoa, whoa, wait a second. This is not just for you know us anymore. This applies to all people of walks of life. And we really need to be more cognizant and of you know how we're defining a family. Um, kind of like with the same thing with the paid parental leave. Like what, what makes a family to you is not the same to me. And I think that really speaks somewhat to implicit bias, right? Because we apply things to how we see them and maybe not how other people see them. And we may miss out on, on those things. Um, Trish, I got to ask, you know, if, uh, if uh, one of our coworkers or if a member of an ERG or even someone who doesn't work for the company, maybe works for a different company, but is listening in on this podcast is looking to make a change in, in a fairly significant change, because this is one of those, um, what would you recommend that they do? Um, what do you mean as far as change? 
Well, um, so for instance, we uh, we saw the change in in our parental leave policy, right? We we see the change in domestic partner benefits. So if we're looking to you know kind of get away from that status quo and change things for the better, um, what would you recommend that they do? Where where do you think they should start? Yeah, that's a good question, Bill. I think you know the number one thing is you need um, a sponsor. You need someone you know that's higher up. Get your executive sponsor of your ERG involved. Uh, get the other leads of the other ERGs involved, and then you know just make sure that you're talking to the right people, um, you know, and use those avenues so they can start talking, start the conversation, and then once you do that, you know, it, it's it's kind of easy from there. Well, and Laura, kind of the same question for you as well. Um, Trish, you know, said it: talk to the right people, but many times we don't know what we don't know. Um, so what recommendations would you have to make sure that we are talking to or at least having all the stakeholders at the table? I think I would um, echo Trish. It really is still talking to the right people. I'm just one person on the team that were, was able to get this through the finish line, right? Um, there are many other people that are involved and it's really important to have positive intent in these discussions and learn. The more that we learn, the better we can communicate these like a business case so that we can move it forward and cross the finish line. Because this isn't the first time that we've had this topic. We have brought it up before in years past and um, it was different this time. And I think we had a lot of strength within the business case. Um, and we also have learned more and things have evolved as well, which is all really good. I think my biggest advice is don't ever stop either and keep it going and put the momentum behind it. And if you hear no, it's okay. Do it again and do it again. That's exactly what I was just going to say, Laura. <laughs> Don't take no for an answer. If you get no from one source, go to another because you are going to find someone that understands and they are going to find the right avenue for you, you know, to get where you need to go. I often like to think of the word as no as no, not yet. <laughs> and so, okay. And then let me go back and let's figure out who we can partner to continue to move it forward. It's also important to do the benchmarking, Bill. Like we did a lot of research, you know, so when we came up, we're like, look, Herman Miller does this. Whirlpool does this. You know, we're, these are all the competitors that are around us that we're going to lose our employees to that we currently have and, you know, possible in the future. So is that really something that we want to risk? Well, and you know, Trish, something I have found too is that when you do the benchmarking and you find out other companies that aren't necessarily doing it, that's a great argument as well, right? Let's be on the cutting edge of this. Okay, they're not doing it. Let's be the company that does, right? Absolutely. I mean, if we're going to be a world-class company, I mean, you you need these benefits. And even if we're just, you know, one of five in the entire nation, that makes us world-class. That separates us. That makes people want to come work for us. Yeah, let's be the benchmark. <laughs> right. And, and the other thing is, you know, I, for the folks in the audience that don't know Trish, I'm going to make this comment that all of these things are great, but you have to have passion around what you're doing. Right. And um, in, in Trish uh, and Laura, both of you, I know you're very passionate about what you do and what you stand for. And when you say don't stop and don't quit, um, I, I uh, in working with both of you, I'm not sure that stop and quit are in your vocabularies. <laughs> Um, so I know that all of our coworkers appreciate that. That's probably a fair assessment. <laughs> Same here. So we, you know, like I said at the beginning of the podcast, we did get this communication from Kathy Hendrian uh, yesterday afternoon, or actually yesterday morning. 
And I know that that's really just the first step. So what are we doing uh, from here? What are kind of the next steps that are going to show up as part of this? And I'll let either one of you jump in. So I'll jump in from a benefits perspective. So that's the first announcement, and we need to celebrate that announcement. It's amazing, awesome, and exciting. Um, more to come for annual enrollment because this benefit starts January 1, 2023. Annual enrollment is in the October timeframe, so our employees and retirees will receive additional communication around um, the benefit and the benefit offering. So look in the mail, you'll get an email as well, um, and make sure that you read that information. And if you do have a domestic partner, to add that individual during uh, the open enrollment period timeframe. Um, and then remember to not ignore that dependent audit request and to ensure that your benefits for your domestic partner and or eligible dependents will start January 1, 2023. There's also some additional communication I know that's going to be transpiring. And Trish, I'll hand it over to you from an ERG perspective. So from a PACE and ERG perspective, there is going to be another article in the between the lines. So look out for that. That'll be happening in June. Um, and then we are also going to be scheduling a lunch and learn with Laura and her benefits team. So there's an opportunity to ask questions that were not answered in the articles. And I'm assuming uh, that it's from from here till then and whenever it's always going to be OK to either reach out to you, Laura, or to you, Trish, to kind of get folks to where they need to be to get those questions answered. Absolutely. And we, we wanted to share it in front of annual enrollment season. Most employers have annual enrollment in the fall, but there are some that start as early as July 1st. And so we wanted to make sure that household households knew what their options and choices were if there were dual workers um, in that household to make the right decision for the family. And this is also a huge, huge movement, you know, for the company and for employees who have been waiting this for a long time. We didn't want to wait until October to make this announcement. We <laughs> want to push this out as soon as possible. Well, and I think also, um, you know, I know that, again, this is for all of our coworkers and it's really a domestic partner benefit. So it covers a lot of different areas. But I think it's also kind of appropriate that this is kind of kicking off as we get into Pride Month as well. Um, because the efforts really did start uh, at that at that point, and um, now here we are a few years later, and this really helps all of our our coworkers. Yeah, no doubt this will definitely be a benefit for the LGBTQ community. But um, again, this goes for all of our employees that are in domestic partner partnerships. Yes, absolutely. So we are getting close to the end of the podcast. Uh, but before I wrap up, I want to give you each an opportunity to kind of talk to the audience. Um, and so um, I'll start, Trish, with you. Um, what would you like our audience to take away from our conversation today? Uh, I guess my advice is that, you know, don't say no. If you think there is something that needs to be done at your company, then make someone listen. Um, if you talk to one person and they can't understand, go back and do the research. Bring the hard facts in front of them. and find that right person. And again, find your executive sponsor, find your manager, go straight to people in culture, HR. Someone is there to listen. So don't let don't let that deflate you and don't let that stop you. You know, Bill, there were a lot of people that made this business case possible. Pace definitely led the way. But without these people, I we would not have been able to accomplish this business case. Is it OK if I give a quick shout out? 
There is always room for a quick shout out. It doesn't even have to be quick. Let's make sure we uh, we cover all bases there. So go ahead. Okay. Yeah. It's probably not going to be that short, actually. <laughs> so <laughs> I just want to give a shout out to Carson Seal, Lynn McCollum, Lauren Forte, Marty Smith, Brady Driver, Nick Milton, Noah Coleman, Wendy Lotto, Davida Lowe, Tammy Brockwell, Randy Richards, Nate Waters, Laura Christopher, Allison Matthew, Dietrich Roselle, Aaron Lawrence, Shelly Ortega, Teresa Stassens, and Katrina Brigner Fiddler. It almost sounds like you just received an Oscar, I'm just going to say. All right, thanks, Trish. And Laura, same for you. What would you like our audience to take away from our conversation today? I think just the importance of inclusion. Uh, really, when we start to think about um, all of our coworkers and what our coworkers' need, needs are, it's really important to live those culture values. And inclusion is so important for our coworkers and their dependents. From a benefit benefits perspective, we offer um, great benefits. We will continuously look and evaluate our benefits, which we do every year, um, to see how we can make improvements um, in a DEI perspective as well. And I'm just really excited and thrilled to have been part of this and super happy and can't wait till 1-1-2023 when our first healthcare claim goes through for one of our domestic partners. Super excited. Yep, I'm excited to see that as well. And I think that maybe uh, at the beginning of next year sometime, we should get together and do this again and talk about how this is uh, being successful because I'm sure that it will be. Um, I want to say thank both of you for uh, coming in and uh, talking with us about this exciting new benefit that we have for all of our coworkers. And I look forward to uh, hearing about uh, how successful it is in the future. Thank you, Bill. Yeah, thank you, Bill. Thank you to the audience for listening in today. The Me, You, Us podcast is proudly sponsored by Consumers Energy, leaving Michigan better than we found it. Remember, you can find the Me, You, Us podcast on all major podcasting platforms. So be sure to go out, find us, and subscribe. If you or someone you know is in crisis, please contact the Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-8255. If you are a veteran or know a veteran who is in crisis, you can call 1-800-273-8255 and press 1 for the Veterans Crisis Line. And remember to tune in every Wednesday as we talk about the things that impact your personal well-being.